the just the field of public health is so good because it it's the underlying way of thought in learning public health is population level thinking. It's not just about oh I'm the only person I'm the center of the world. It's about how one person is just one part of a whole, one part of an entire population that is dealing. Everyone is dealing with it, and so um, again that just reinforces why public health education is so important. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Different Boat, Same Storm, a video podcast that's all about kindling empathy amidst the global pandemic. Today, we have the pleasure of having possibly one of our youngest guests so far, Stephanie Wang. Stephanie, it's a pleasure to have you here today, and we'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience because we know that you wear many, many hats. So I'll let you take the floor and introduce yourself. Well, thank you so much, Abe and Athar, for uh, having me on. I'm so excited to be here to have this conversation and to talk with you guys. So I'm Stephanie. I'm currently a 17-year-old, and I'm from Katy, Texas. Um, and I'm very, very passionate about science and advocacy, and specifically that led me to public health and epidemiology, and since that's been very big throughout the pandemic. So um, one thing that I've been doing throughout this entire time was to advocate for public health literacy, expand people's access to public health education. And specifically, I've done that through writing a book called Epidemiology Unmasked. And then I've been engaging in lots of different other advocacy efforts, like um, writing curricula for our students, um, talking to various legislators to get it get involved in the political realms, to get that a priority for our students again and it's just been a really rewarding experience to see the change that one person can make on an issue that's been ignored for way too long in my opinion so I'm so excited to be here today. Amazing and so you're someone who wrote a book is writing curriculum right now and you're 17 years old and uh, what you ended off with there is that this is an issue that's been ignored for far too long so I, I well, we'll definitely get into this amazing discussion about public health and what public health is in the process of you writing the book and creating curriculum. But to start, Stephanie, what is it that got you engaged in this field? What is it about public health and epidemiology? And I myself am a student of global health at U of T. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it about like public health that's so interesting to you? Yeah, so I first got involved in science, first of all, when I was in middle school, specifically in seventh grade when I just walked into the Seven Lakes, I'm sorry, the Beckendorf Junior High Science Olympiad team because it sounded cool. So I walked in and um, that really launched me into a an entirely new journey that I did not expect when I first got involved. So Science Olympiad, for those of you guys who don't know, is a competition that has a bunch of different fields of science. There's science ranging from anatomy to you know cell microbiology and uh, epidemiology, earth science, physics, any event that you can think of, it's probably there. So I really got hooked on this one event called Disease Detectives, which has to do with epidemiology and, and um, you know, figuring out an outbreak, learning about infectious diseases and trying to solve that outbreak. So that was what the test was like. And so since then, I've been competing in that event. And what I really liked about epidemiology in particular was um, how interdisciplinary it was. So the field of epidemiology combines math, statistics, biology, 
problem solving, anything, honestly, it's, it's there. So that's what I really liked about it and how real world applicable it is. Um, you could see for every outbreak that we solved, it was something relating to the real world, something that could happen. And as we've seen with COVID, of course, that's the case. Epidemiology has been everywhere. So that's what I, that's what first got me really drawn to the field. And so from then on, I've explored the field in several other ways. Uh, particularly, I've done some research into it, learning about um, optimal vaccine distribution, um, learning about how people can, how kids specifically can learn more about public health. And so from that, I've also learned about some of the problems that we have facing in this field, specifically why we don't have young students learning this. And in schools, we, we focus on a lot of different fields in school, but specifically we do not focus on epidemiology or public health. And that just got me thinking, like, why is this big versatile field that's so fascinating not being taught to our students? And in the event of outbreaks or pandemics, I mean, students need to know what these concepts are that they hear on the news every day or that they listen to on the radio. And that just really inspired me to take action into my own hands because I didn't see anyone addressing this issue. And I was really surprised that no one was really taking a stand to do so. So that's why I decided to do it. Wow. Wow. You know, when we study these things, very rarely do we think that we'll ever experience them, almost hoping that we never have to experience them because they're ghastly in their own nasty ways. So did you ever think that when you were studying this and realizing that there wasn't much talk about this, that you will go through a time where all anybody could ever talk about was this? Absolutely not. I had no idea. And honestly, it's been, it's been pretty overwhelming because when I take these tests or I, when I read about epidemiology, I just think, okay, well, these are just hypothetical scenarios from outbreaks from 100 years ago or from another country. And I just think, okay, well, that's interesting. Let's move on. So I never actually thought about how this could actually be a big thing in the real world. And I'm actually quite, quite glad that um, COVID has brought this field to the spotlight because now that it's such a big field in our day, um, it really can make more people interested in it. And once more people are interested in it, we have more innovations in the field. And we are still lacking lots of different innovations in the field of epidemiology. For example, how to effectively distribute vaccines in a way that um, conserves resources, but still um, makes sure that uh, as, as little people get it as possible. So that's one of the problems that people are still trying to solve. And I'm just glad that um, if I can bring more attention to the issue, specifically to young students, uh, students who will be our leaders of tomorrow, that they will be able to have the impetus to take forth these issues, learn more about epidemiology, and really just get involved in more ways that can help us prevent and better tackle possible new infectious diseases in the future. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how it takes the world around us to come to a grinding halt for us to realize what we've just been complacent about and mm -hmm. not doing anything on. I mean, as they say, yeah. And I mean, as they say, like never let a good crisis go to waste because they're out of every crisis, there's something that can be learned. And usually it's a pretty hard lesson.
And so, Stephanie, you've already talked about like the general lack of public health knowledge, especially in your community. And when you say com your community, uh, I'm assuming you're talking about Texas, the broader American community. I wonder what do you think is the underlying cause, uh, the underlying root of this lack of public health knowledge? Well, I think the most important reason for that starts from our schools. And as I mentioned earlier in school, we never really learned about this. Our teachers never really placed an emphasis on this. And partially, it can be traced back to epidemiology being sort of a niche field that isn't so broadly established like physics or biology. And I would say that because of that, not many teachers have been adequately sort of rehearsed on the, on the field. And as a result, that sort of translates over to the students. And as we grow up, we just have a void in our brain without that knowledge being filled. So I think that is one of the biggest things that I've been trying to co uh, combat. And by doing that, I first wrote a book because writing a book is um, sort of timeless knowledge. And online, things usually get pulled down or whatever. And uh, misinformation is usually, online is probably the biggest way to spread that. So I just wanted to make something that would be timeless, which was why I wrote a book. And so specifically, I wanted to write it in a way that would be appealing to young students because I wanted to combat that issue of not having educated young students in epidemiology. So my book is structured in a way that's fun and easy to read, lots of pictures, um, easy to read text. Don't I don't use very advanced language in that book at all. It's all just like almost conversational. And uh, beyond that, I've been trying to teach young students through my own nonprofit. And then also I wrote curricula that's going to be taught in my school actually in a few days um, by teachers and uh, they should. And um, for that curriculum, especially it has students learn about the different topics, some of the most important concepts in epidemiology, and then have them write, make like their own project sort of um, about their own infectious disease and write about what the different pieces of the puzzle are for that infectious disease, and then share that information with their class and with their parents. And so that can really help expand the knowledge in almost an exponential way. Because, you know, one student goes home, tells their parents, and then, you know, that's exponential. So I would say just try, starting local and then reaching beyond my community and seeing as many people as possible get it, get that knowledge. And so I've also been trying to um, talk with different officials in my state and in the country about uh, this issue that, you know, we need to have more students learning public health and epidemiology in class and just discussing the reasons why that's really important. And um, it's not just about, it's really not just about preventing out, preventing misinformation during outbreaks or making sure that people are responsible during outbreaks. This information on its own is very interactive for students. It's a field that students love to learn as seen by studies conducted by scientists in the field. And another thing that I thought was really interesting about public health specifically is that not only is it interdisciplinary, it covers you know social science, biology, math, everything pretty much, but it also is very critical thinking inducing. That's what a scientist found from her study of um, teaching public health to high school students. It induces public health thinking in students, I mean, sorry, critical thinking in students, and then also make sure that students can think in a broad manner. Think about how their actions alone impact the, the broader community. So 
that is a very special skill for students to learn as well. And public health is a really great facet for students to do that. You know, one thing that you said really caught my caught my ear that we're hoping that information spreads exp- exponentially. And if only useful information spread as exponentially as the virus did, we'd probably be better off. But here's hoping that that, that, that sometimes happens. But, you know, talking about the spread of information or the lack thereof, the one thing that has been seen all across the world, particularly in the U.S., from I'm sure that you might be relate, you might be able to relate to, is the spread of misinformation about this pandemic, and especially on a public health level, from politicians and just the politics of the pandemic, so to say. I'm wondering how that has impacted or interacted with everything that you've been doing, because clearly there is a political element to it, as you pointed out yourself. Yeah, and Stephanie, like what I really think is interesting beyond that idea of the politics of public health is like, how does that show up on a ground level? Like, why is why was wearing a mask so politicized in the United States? Why is now getting a vaccine politicized? And why are, for example, certain people not deciding to get vaccinated? And I wonder, like, what are your thoughts on the greater cultural phenomena associated with that misinformation? Yeah. So, I mean, first I'm going to, I'll talk about um, the reason, probably the reasons why it's been so politicized. And so for me, I think the main reason is because um, in a crisis, a lot of times uh, we have to take extra measures to ensure the health and safety of our surroundings. And that can be conflated with having one's personal freedoms infringed upon. And I I totally understand that sentiment, but I think... um, but I think my my approach to solving this issue is more than just telling people what to do, right? That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to force people to, you know, do anything because that's never a good idea. Um, people like their freedom. And I think it's very important to honor that. But I think my approach has been innovative because I'm not forcing people to, to do anything. I'm just giving them the information about why it's important. And once, once students especially learn that information or their adult or their parents learn that information or any adult, honestly, then they can take the pandemic in a much more different light. And once they see the different, uh, caught the different uh, adversarial reactions that may occur based on one person specifically, just one person's actions, then I think people are much more likely to honor public safety, um, take whatever they do seriously. And that's really been something that I've been trying to, that message I've been trying to get across to people all across the country, because I don't think it should be a political issue. I don't think anything related to the pandemic should be as divisive as it is right now. And so education on itself, public health education is a uh, is a relatively uncontroversial issue. It's just having students learn this material because it's beneficial to their learning and beneficial to um, the way they think critically and beneficial to the the way they see the world. And so having students learn public health and then having them make their own informed judgments is a much better way to combat misinformation and uh, lack of public health irresponsibility, I believe, than, you know, just telling people what to do without giving them an explanation. And I think because of that latter reasoning and the latter way of approaching the pandemic, that's why it's been so politicized. But 
I think just having people make their own good decisions um, after being thoroughly informed about everything, that's very important. And I think just starting from our schools, I think that's the most important point I really want to emphasize. Starting from our schools, having young students learn this information. And so once another outbreak hit, God forbid, then they have the background knowledge and the baseline level of knowledge to make informed decisions, make uh, responsible decisions, and be able to tell fact from fiction. And being able to tell fact from fiction on its own is very important to combat the misinformation pandemic, as, as many scientists have termed it as well. Because as we see the spread of the virus, the spread of misinformation accompanies it simultaneously. So, so I think education is being able to hit all of those problems that we've seen, um, whether that be misinformation or lack of public health, uh, personal health responsibility, or vaccine hesitancy, or, you know, aversion to mask wearing, everything like that. I think that can all be combated with proper education, um, informed population, and people being able to be open-minded about what to do during a crisis, because no one really wanted this at all. We're all trying to deal with it the best that we can. And so um, getting that message across Having students learn the information, that's, I think, in my opinion, the best way to combat this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, doing this at, at any time in any place would be quite contentious. But you being in Texas and just the political climate and the culture there, I'm so curious as to how that experience has been for you and if there are any fascinating or intriguing stories in that well, regard I mean, that you can share there is, there is one funny story um but they'll remain anonymous uh, i contacted uh, i contacted someone uh he was a he's actually a local politician and so i actually got a very interesting response from him i told him about my idea to spread public health literacy and with through education and i explained all my points you know why is this important what i want to do curricular and you know just everything that I've been trying to advocate for. And he responded back to me in a very weird way. He was like, well, I mean, the economy is doing bad. Um, it's that this is not, I don't really know why you're, why you're doing this. Uh, give me statistics. And it was, it was kind of, it was kind of a weird response, but I think that was probably the worst or the least uh, receptive response that I've gotten. But honestly, it didn't, I didn't really mind it that much because, you know, there's tons of other people out there and I know um, as we as as you've been as you've mentioned um, a lot of the uh, the political climate in Texas is more conservative, but I think um, the issue that I'm advocating for, which is public health education, isn't really a partisan issue at all. It's definitely a common sense issue, I would say, uh, something that anyone can get behind. Because I'm not telling anyone to do anything. I'm not you know forcing people to do anything. It's just a way that we can all come together and solve this issue uh, through a very reasonable way. Because having students learn about any information that's accurate and um, intellectually stimulating, that's relatively uncontroversial. And I think that's been very successful as well. I've been able to speak at the Texas State Board of Education, speak with them about my reasoning for um, public health education, uh, like those... uh, standards that to implement for teachers and students for them to learn and then also talking with uh, my state senator and then talking with some other senators in Texas and and representatives on uh, 
it's just been a it's been a pretty great experience overall. I haven't really had any terrible experiences. Definitely not. But I think I think the way that I view the situation is that I don't understand. Well, I do understand, but I don't really think it's healthy for COVID to be so divisive. And I'm just trying to unify as many people as possible through a very common sense approach, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, it's. I think overall, it's been a pretty good experience. You make a really good point, Stephanie. That. The idea of COVID-19 as an issue should not be controversial, that it's a Mm -hmm. virus that's killing everyone and it's harming everyone. uh, And therefore, we should all care about it. And I absolutely agree with you that education, instead of telling people what to do with their own lives, is the way to go forward. And I wonder, what do you think of that sort of application to related issues that we see Uh, not just in America, but across the world, whether it's an issue like climate action and how we go about actually taking climate action. Because like public health information, uh, the science on climate change is very clear. And the steps on what we need to do is also quite clear. Uh, Similar things apply to things like gun laws, to things like health care. And I wonder, and uh, you know, not to be political here, because I, I think a lot of these issues are rooted in science, like you often talk about. I wonder, though, considering this division around some basic issues, some like very elemental issues, and we see that partisan divide even greater in America. How do we go mm-hmm, about doing definitely. and addressing those? That's really my big question that I think, you know, Atharv, you can chime in on this as well, Stephanie. Yeah, so I think um, I think education is almost always something that can help bridge divides and unify more people because um, as long as we're presenting the facts, it's relatively cut and dry, usually with science-backed facts and things like that. And so I think giving people that information and then allowing them to make their own decisions is really important because it gives people the freedom to think. And freedom of thought is very important in any civilized society, of course. So um, rather than you know telling people what to think or saying this is what we have to do, just presenting students, usually from school, starting from school, since that's where students learn the best, and have them really understand the things that are going on in our world. And that kind of brings me to a bigger issue, I think, in our education system, which is that students aren't always uh, exposed to real issues in the world. Sometimes they learn about fields that, which is important, I would say, for um, the foundations of learning, but they don't really have the opportunity to expand further and learn about how the information they're learning in their class translates over to the real world. And providing that information, having them think critically about certain pieces of uh, new developments or new information, having them think about that, how they can help combat those issues, and what really needs to be done in the world to help combat certain types of uh, problems that we see. I think that's a great way to do it. And But I think having an education system that values more student exploration and student learning um, more of away from just giving people back, oh, sorry, just telling students things that may not necessarily directly have to do with anything that is important in the real world. I think that's a good step to make. And also, um, that's something that I've been trying to deal with too, because as, as you know, I've been writing my own curriculum for public health. And of course, I didn't just want to give them the information. I wanted them to actually think about it, 
intellectually stimulate them. And so specifically, um, I've been having them, you know, write their own, uh, like their own public, uh, public service announcement about a certain disease and have them do interesting research on their own about the certain disease. And so that just allows students to explore the world through their own um, research and then learn about how they can combat this on their own without just telling them facts, you know, telling them this is what you need to do rather than uh, just instead letting them explore on their own, make their own decisions, really let them understand how their own actions have an impact directly in the real world and what they can possibly do to combat that. I think that's an important way for our students to learn. Absolutely. And I mean, the two of us cannot agree more. Being at academic institutions ourselves and engaging in these conversations, we understand the value of that. The one thing that I find myself being so contested on myself, and I'm sure Abhe might have similar thoughts, is that as much as we like, sometimes we just aren't even allowed to talk about these things in school. For example, just simple things like gun laws, for example, or even climate change. We aren't always allowed to talk about these things in school for us to facilitate those education-backed initiatives, so to say, to yeah. engage students in these regards. So, and I know this is a tough question because if we had an answer, we probably wouldn't be asking this. But since you're working in this more than either of us have, just wondering if you have any insights. Well, I mean, I totally empathize. I totally understand because, of course, same here, like a lot of things we can't talk about either. Um, I do think that my friend, but my friend, though, she she lives in a different part of Texas. Like we're, we're pretty good friends. And she always tells me about the different discussions that they have in their classroom. And their discussions are really interesting. Like they have... They talk about anything. They even they talk about like hot hot topic issues, contentious issues with their classmates, and they have really nice dialogues. And she tells me about that, and I'm just like, what? Where can I jump in? Because no one from my school is a uh, we we don't do that in our classes. And I just I don't really know why um, a lot of classes don't do that, but some classes do. And I think having teachers that are open minded um, allow students to discover their own passions and their own belief systems and their own values through discussion and civil discourse with other students. Um, that's that the uh, impact that that can have on a student's maturity and their um, intelligence and just development overall. It, I think it's really important to do that. But um, I'm not sure exactly how we can have more teachers do that. I think one thing that we can do is what I've been trying to do at least is tell teachers beforehand of the importance of having students um, discover things on their own, talk with their classmates, have discussions, and just having teachers understand truly how much that means to a student's development. And being able to, and usually I think the teachers are very receptive to doing that. And like my friend's class, they have great discussions. And I think having more students adopt that framework of a classroom is a great way to start, I think. Yeah, and it seems like what's so central to your approach of creating this change in the mindsets of people, actually. So it's not like just what they're doing, but it's actually the underlying mindset behind that mm -hmm. is the idea of personal connection. 
you're really getting in touch with the people to learn what they want and make sure that you're addressing the needs and the wants and outlining the importance of these things. Like, what has the impact of this work been, Stephanie? Like, I know you've told me and Atharv some stories about people that have reached out to you. What has that impact been? Yeah, so um, to your first point about changing people's mindsets, that has actually been my goal because it doesn't really matter like how much you tell people something or, you know, give them talking points or facts, but having them be open-minded and willing to change, that's what's going to be, that's what's going to be eternal, like for their entire lives. They're going to be able to really, um, really understand other people's uh, trains of thought and be able to uh, internalize that. And that's what I've been trying to do. So to your other point about the impact, yeah, um, there have been several stories. So for example, um, I was in my classes, I talked to students all the time. Well, back, back this was back in last summer, but during this class, we had a bunch of really fun discussions about um, COVID and then also about our public, our, our hypothetical public health investigation that I made for the students to learn about. And a lot of students came up with me with questions about um, is this real? I saw this on the internet. My parents are telling me this. Is this real? I mean, obviously, I'm not like an, just an expert on COVID. I I really followed the news about it, but I was really able to debunk a lot of their um their their like theories, and that really gave me a sense of happiness because it really felt that I was able to do something, help seize the spread of misinformation, even if it's just by one person. And out of that. One really interesting story has been um, coming, has came to me, which was that one of the girls in my class, she was really brilliant and her mom actually reached out to me and told me about how her daughter has been attending my class and then how she's been become much more open-minded and much more informed about current affairs and learning about epidemiology really inspired her, got her really worked up about public health and got her really interested in the field. And I actually learned that she's all the way from Boston, which is like an entire, like all the way across the country, which is so cool to me. Um, it's just really cool to be able to see in real time the people that have been affected by my work and have them really understand and just be able to make a positive difference in helping to stop the misinformation pandemic, helping, helping to stop the pandemic as a whole. That's really worthwhile and um, probably the main reason why I continue to do all the advocacy work that I've been doing. It's insane to think that that you reached all the way to Boston and you didn't even realize. How did this person end yeah. up in a classroom in Texas? I'm so well, curious. Of, well, I mean, I mean, my class wasn't, um, it was obviously virtual, so it was easy for them to just log on to Zoom. But wow. it's really interesting because uh, like, like once the pandemic started, I had a few friends back when we were competing in math contests together we were all really close. We all went to Hong Kong together when we were in seventh grade to take a math contest. And that's how we really got to know each other. And so um, we're all into math and science and everything. So once the pandemic started, we saw so many students were getting left behind in their classes. And so many students weren't able to take those classes that they really wanted to take, those extracurricular classes, um, reinforcing their learning. And so, you know, we all decided that since we... Um, we're really interested in math and we know some topics like science and public health. Why don't we just help students with their work and help students who are getting left behind? So we started this class series. Um, first, it was just to teach math because that's what all four of us have in common. We 
we're, we're, we like math. And so uh, after that, it was a huge success. We also, we even got, we were even able to get um, a fundraiser going for the, the healthcare workers over at a hospital in Houston. And we raised a lot of money for them and we got to buy them a bunch of masks. It's really fun and really rewarding experience. But after that, we thought, why don't we expand this program to students who are interested in fields that are not math? Because a lot of kids can benefit from something that is multidisciplinary. So we got a bunch of our other friends over to teach. Um, we taught chemistry, biology, public health, math, CS, physics, pretty much every a topic that we can think of that we had a friend good at was who was good at we got them to teach it and so we got a bunch of students um uh one of my friends was really good at outreach he contacted his parents and then contacted teachers contacted you know a random people uh, who teach things online just send out a bunch of emails send out a bunch of messages and we actually got a lot of people interested in our courses and i think a lot of students were hungry for that um intellectual enrichment with the debacle of online courses that was going on in March, which is not a great experience for a lot of students. So that was how she got, oh, first got word of my class on public health. So her daughter went to it. She really liked it. And from then on, she's just been interested in that ever since and learning more about public health every day and following the current affairs, learning, educating herself and making some really uh, responsible decisions. Wow. That's awesome. That's so great to hear just that. And what I'm hearing here is that like you, you were interested in something. You've always been interested in public health and you made an impact on the people around you and that's grown exponentially. And that's amazing to hear. And uh, Stephanie, considering where the U.S. is now in the state of the pandemic with more than half of the population being vaccinated, uh, with, but also with the rest of the world still being in a state of pandemic and state of crisis in many places like India, uh, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the future? Are you hopeful? What are your thoughts about what the future will be, be like, especially in terms of the public health education that you've been uh, promoting? Well, I think um, the future, I mean, we, we hope that uh, in a few months or at most a year that we can probably be back to normal, hopefully. But I mean, I think being able to address people outside of our circle is important. Um, just as someone who's living in the United States, I mean, I do see all the news reports of <clears throat> the bad situations in other countries. And I mean, that has also inspired me to look at ways that I can help overseas. And even if that doesn't, even if that means not necessarily through public health or through epidemiology, I think anything works. And so Recently, I've uh, I've also, I've actually accepted an internship at this poverty reduction organization because I mean I see like all the stories, all the news articles about this global issue, and um, I just really wanted to. And plus that, plus my um, my interest in politics, that's what really got me interested in looking for opportunities to help other countries as well. And uh, I think beyond that, uh, with the with your other point about spreading public health education. I think right now is a perfect time to get more people higher up, more higher up, more leaders to be interested in this issue because we are still in the pandemic and uh, whether we like it or not, it's still going on. And so um, right now is a really good, really good time to make that pitch about why it's so important to have our students learn about this information, um, why it's so important for 
students and their and adults and parents to make responsible choices so that we have a pandemic that's on the wane in not just the United States, but in other countries as well, maybe countries that are less developed. And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, I have seen uh, just with the work that I've done, um, almost everyone that I've talked to is interested in this issue. Almost everyone that I've talked to is interested in having students learn this issue and uh, learn about these issues. And so, yeah, I think there is a really bright future ahead for public health education. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And this notion of moving forward in a way in which we don't have to experience what we've gone through, what we're going through right now, is, is a novel way of moving forward because it's harnessing all the hard times that we've gone through in this crisis to ensure that we don't have to do this all over again because it's not an if question, it's a when question. So when something like this comes, and it doesn't have to be a health crisis, but any crisis, yeah, yeah. access to useful information and the freedom of thought that comes with this access to information to make responsible decisions that are responsible, not just on a personal front, but on a social front, because this is a social crisis. It is not an individual crisis, even though we are all going through this individually, is what we can all aspire to do. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's why I think the just the field of public health is so good, because it, it's the underlying way of thought in learning public health is population level thinking. It's not just about, oh, I'm the only person, I'm the center of the world. It's about how one person is just one part of a whole, one part of an entire population that is dealing, everyone is dealing with it. And so um, again, that just reinforces why public health education is so important. And at a broader point, why critical thinking and education about current events or more applicable fields um, are so important for our students. And so whether that be um, introducing more problem-based activities in the classroom or teaching about uh, fields like public policy, uh, social sciences, public health, those that are interdisciplinary, yet very, very, yet a field that someone will have to use in their real life, in their real life endeavors. Yeah, that would be a great thing to combat and uh, bring attention to. Mm, Absolutely. And we combat misinformation, like you said, through allowing people to actually uncover these things themselves instead of preaching and telling people what to do, talking about the underlying reasons. Yeah. So, yeah, that's very interesting because I know a lot of people are very um, aversive to uh, sort of fact checking or fact checkers because they, they don't like other people are telling you, oh, this is wrong. But once you have people on their own to discover what's right and wrong, to really dig deep and do their own research, that's when they become more open-minded instead of just having someone tell you, oh, you're wrong. So, yeah. Yeah. So the onus of self-agency and also, I think, more than anything else, realizing that we're not going through this alone. We're going through this together in our own ways, undoubtedly. And each of those experiences are unique in their own regard and all of them have value. But the fact that our actions affect the people 
around us, the people that we care about, the people that we live with, and the people that we share this planet with, that we live and breathe with every single day. That just inculcating that belief and that lifestyle in the way that we lead our lives is the best way to move forward. And I think that if we can just learn that from this conversation today, I think we're all better off for it. Yeah, absolutely. Like Stephanie, I think as we wrap up here, what you said really was that we're in this together. And when we're looking at education, it applies to more than just telling people what to do. It's about making people understand, and especially in young people, inciting that critical thinking that allows us to be better people. And it allows us to think of ourselves as community members public health and politics. You definitely have an amazing future in this field. Stephanie, it's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. The pleasure has been all ours. And if there's one thing that we can all take away from this conversation, apart from everything that we've talked about, just one thing that we could inculcate in our lives is that Even though it might feel like we're going through this alone, in an isolation, our actions determine everything that happens around us, to the people that we live with, to the people that we care and love about, to the people that we live and breathe with every single day and share this beautiful planet with. And if we can realize that we're part of something much greater than ourselves, that we cannot even fathom, then we'd all be better off for it. This has been another wonderfully insightful episode of Different Boat, Same Storm. We'll be back again very soon with a different guest at the same time, in a different boat, but in the same storm.